0: Phil is a failed skydiver and a bear, sometimes he runs. Ben's always traveling, an occasional beach bum. Phil talks a lot, Ben not at all. It's BHP Town Hall. Ben the
1: guests alcohol, BHP Town
0: Hall. Ben created Eye on Off, he's a comic book fanatic. Film made pyro CMS. It's probably in a kayak. Phil talks a lot, Ben, not at all. It's BHP Town Hall. Random guests. Alcohol. PHP
1: Town Hall. Hello. Uh, welcome to episode 56 of the PHP Town Hall. You have uh, myself, Ben Edmonds, here with Amanda Folsom and a blast from the past uh philip reginald sturgeon
0: Uh how did you know my middle name was reginald i thought i kept that secret i killed the only person
1: but, i thought all englishmen had that middle name
0: about 95 percent. you are right the other ones are heachcliff and uh marmaduke those are the two <laughs> <Marmaduke>. <laughs> 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 i
1: actually
0: sure, convinced the next that? girlfriend i convinced next girlfriend that my full name was um uh, Philip James Hetchglith Archibald Sturgeon the <laughs> third, and she genuinely believed me for like for about twenty minutes, um, and then I tried repeating it the second time, and I think I got Heachcliff and Archibald around the wrong way, and she she busted me. But that was the best twenty minutes of my life when she believed that, that to be true.
1: All right, so we all know how we well. Need to talk about actually. your hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, <that was> exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just felt so accomplished.
1: <laughs> all right, so uh... do you need help? For those that don't know, uh, Phil used to be a co-host of the podcast, and then he left PHP World for Ruby Land and various other things.
0: So Phil, how's uh, how's Ruby treating you? Pretty good. Um, I'm past the uh, honeymoon phase where everything is fantastic, and it's, it's a wonderful idea. Um, it, it's still quite nice being over there, because a lot of the ecosystem is kind of four years ahead in a lot of ways. Um, like They got gems before PHP got Composer. They got a lot of stuff Kind of a bit before php got it so they they've been dealing with problems that php didn't really get to until four years after them so it's kind of funny to see the two communities go through the same sort of stuff with a bit of a bit of a lag um but luckily there's a lot of people that kind of work with with ruby and php and there's a lot of people that look at, at different languages so they kind of take ideas and, and bring them across so it's not it's not a full four year lag but it's still definitely kind of a little bit behind where ruby is a lot of the time
1: yeah uh, so what's some of the core stuff you'd seen like libraries or functionality that you maybe had in ruby but on php other than like you know some of the cool object oriented stuff that's default
0: well pretty much all the league stuff right like everything's in the league um is either a direct copy like literally a port of something in ruby or was inspired by um so these days, it's, it's kind of hard for me to tell because I've been focusing pretty much on Ruby. Then I'm not, I'm not going back and using PHP, so I can't really say, you know, what what is there that isn't in the PHP world. But um, I don't know. I, I don't really know like how the HTTP two tooling is going uh, in in the PHP world. Uh, as far as I can tell, just not. Um, yeah, but no Ruby's much. Ruby's starting to get there yes. a little bit. <laughs> so there's some there's some cool stuff when it comes to like HTTP and and things like that.
1: Cool um yeah so i guess we should jump in a little bit to the main topic here is going to be apis and all things around that since that's kind of your forte now uh so you write a new book right and what's the uh what's that about
0: yeah uh, the new book is called talking to other people's apis which is a really boring title when i can't think of anything better so i'm just going with it for now um yeah is it's like the other side of the coin right so you uh the first book was about how to build APIs that are fantastic, or whatever, and um, and and this is a book for the other people, the, the people that have to talk to the API that you just built, because. Um, no one no one is explaining that to anyone like we've got all these developers that really really care about like we're going to use all these restful practices and we're going to put these links in and and we're going to use hypermedia so you like call this link and do options on it and then you find this thing and then you do that and you do that and there's these front-end developers that have no idea about any of that stuff because they focus on other things completely so um it's kind of teaching it's not just front-end developers like a mobile and ios people you know that That have to deal with talking to other APIs it's like API developers ourselves anyone who makes any application that talks to another API so front end back end we all have to deal with talking to other people's APIs and we need to look look out for like when you're talking to an RPC or a REST or a GraphQL API like what's what's different um look out for some kind of common practices like that might be really bad ideas (laughs) but like if the server's doing this thing how do I respond um what do I do about uh you know retry after what do I do about um, I'm getting kind of timeout errors or what should I set my timeouts at? Um, you know, they're talking about they've got these JSON schema links in there and I have no idea what that is So what do I what do I do with that or all this sort of stuff that like no one explains to the average like JavaScript developer? Or whatever should uh, should work out, you know, Hope, hopefully got to get that boat. That's the plan. Didn't get the boat the last time. So boat Attempt number two
1: Isn't that what uh what bitcoins are for though?
0: <laughs> yeah if bitcoin would go up instead of sideways then maybe <laughs> so
1: you use use the book money to buy the bitcoins and then you're, yeah you're i selling. feel like
0: yeah. for the last couple of months uh bitcoin is like the average soccer game you just spend you know two hours watching it and it's no no at the end um good time <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah that's actually pretty accurate
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> everybody surprising. talks about it but again There's, it doesn't really seem like you're saying anything
0: apart from there are two people listening right now probably the only two people that are listening right now and one of them is really mad that an english guy just called it soccer and the other one's really mad that i said two hours when it's only 90 minutes (laughs) 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 can we edit that in post
2: (laughs) no keeping it done
0: (laughs) (laughs) i never give a shit about football anyway they can they can have that
2: and you've just offended like the one british person listening
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, someone the other day, I was at PHP Southwest yesterday, and someone said that I had a comedy accent that's a halfway mixture between Bristolian and New York, and I've never been more offended in my life.
1: But also, like, mm, it's kind of right. Mm. <sighs>
0: it's just terrible. I don't want to sound like you people. I'm going to start, I don't know, I'm going to start shouting, get her my land and, and things, and it's it's just no good.
2: You got to shout America with, like, two pistols, one in each hand, <laughs> and got to get, like, your big 10-gallon hat.
0: Yeah, I'd do an impression, but the, uh, there are people in this house that, uh, who are asleep. That would probably be a slight dick move. It is half past midnight at the moment, so that's why I have a, uh, a BBC weather reporter's voice right now. Well, you
2: know, an, a real American wouldn't care. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is true. Um, do we actually have a plan for anything to talk about tonight? I can't remember if we were...
1: Uh, well, so you did mention you're in England, right? And deportation was one of the topics. So why, why are you in England again? <laughs>
0: Um, this is actually the the best time I've been kicked out of the country. Uh the last two times I was kicked out is because I was working for a startup that went bankrupt. Um through no fault of my own. <laughs> I just keep I keep picking picking the losers. Uh but I am working for a company called WeWork, who very nicely applied for a brand new visa for me 18 ish months ago. And uh, I never bothered getting the actual visa in my passport. I had like i had an extension letter, I had my visa, thought it was good to go, came over for Christmas and got stuck. <laughs> so I've been uh, I've been doing a lot of API development from the fantastic town of Pucklechurch, which is uh, on a list, I can't remember the website, but there's a list of quaint British town names and it's number two. so. Um, I've been riding my bike around because there's only one horse in that town and he's quite often borrowed so I need to get around in the only other way possible by cycling and uh, I managed to crash my bike again yesterday because it's all just cow shit and mud around there. So good times Exciting. (laughs) Yeah,
1: what is the uh, did you get you got the visa worked out, right? So what's the next?
0: Yeah, 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 I've been I've been over in London at the uh, at the embassy and it was hilarious at the embassy uh, I was like the last one of the last 10 people to get my uh, visa done because they're closing down the embassy and moving somewhere else. And, uh, the guy didn't give a shit. Like he's just like sitting there sideways, just like playing solitaire on his phone. There's some dude ripping cables out the wall and he was like, yeah, normally it's like 10 days processing, but we're probably going to get this done for you in like two days. We're trying to get out of it, to be honest. <laughs> 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 it's
1: sounds- really fun.
0: Yeah. I, I think it's already at home. I, am. Um, I can, I can leave pretty much any time now, luckily. So it's only been like two weeks. No, Not too bad. Yeah. We'll be in a bar again soon, Ben. Don't worry. Yes.
1: <laughs> i have like barely left my house cause it's so fucking cold here.
0: So. Yeah. I saw that it was minus 27 and I wasn't actually too upset about being here. Everyone thinks the UK is like wet and cold, but it's always just meh. Like in the summer yeah. it's meh. And in the winter it's meh. And then it's just meh in between. But New York is like, Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, it gets cold. It gets hot. You can die yeah. most of the year, depending on what, what's going it's on. It's kind of
1: the worst weather you could you could ask for in the country. I don't know why we all live here.
2: <laughs> That's like a northeast coast thing. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah it might rain and stuff in Oregon and Seattle, but like you don't get the shit that like yeah Boston or New York or even DC gets.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I like that
0: video that's going around like two, three years ago of uh, some dude who was um, taking a shovel on his bike on the way to work in Boston, and he was just like, all the sidewalks were so covered in snow from all the snow plows, he was digging a tunnel through every single day. <laughs> <laughs> it's more than a human size. Like he was cycling straight through without even crouching, just digging that tunnel. Then they come and bulldoze it in because it was unsafe. And the next day, you just dig that tunnel again.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Jesus.
0: Yeah, I don't know what motivates these people, but it's hilarious and well done. Anger. To them yeah
2: spite <laughs>
0: just stubbornness i think
2: fuck the establishment yeah all right do we want to talk about api stuff
0: let's do it i don't i don't like let's APIs. Talk about api stuff i don't, I don't
2: like that uh, yeah i don't either i don't think i think everybody accepts apis as a thing to get other things done um i don't think a lot of people actually enjoy them
0: <laughs> yeah actually, strangely neither why uh, I think the reason I care about it so much is like at first it was interesting when it was new and, and unique and different And now that it's like, you know, it's just saving a form without the HTML man. It's not that it's not that different um, Now that I have kind of realized that stuff uh, most of what motivates me is that Although people see it. It's just a way to get a thing done Like I've got this data over here, and I want to just show it over there um, That's like a really naive happy path kind of idea of just like i will put that there and that will be fine and that's all that needs to happen and i've seen like so many things go wrong so many different production issues so many performance problems so many just human expectation errors of of matching expectations by two different teams on different sides of the wire um and after seeing a bajillion things go wrong i'm like okay it would be cool if things didn't always go wrong maybe i could point out some of these things and then shit wouldn't break every day
2: (laughs) it doesn't have to be painful
0: yeah and then once everyone knows how to make apis i will just go work at mcdonald's Maybe i
1: would own. actually pay to yeah, see that
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go i've already got my new show
1: <laughs> all right so you mentioned json schema earlier do you want to like fill people in on what this for
0: yeah um, yeah. um json schema is something that's been around for a while and i looked at it ages ago and i didn't really get it and i didn't really care and and uh-huh. years later or Whatever. A, a while later, I've kind of realised it's probably the most important thing to happen to the world of APIs since the concept of REST came along. Um, so JSON schema is basically one of many ways of describing your JSON. So um, you can have some JSON and it's got, you know, distance five. Well, oh, all right. What what is what is that distance? Is it yards, kilometres, feet? I have no idea. Um, so you can you can put like a human-readable description in there. Um, you can you can define the data type of various fields so you can say you know integer string array all that obvious stuff um and load just loads of other stuff you put default values you put example values you uh, if you have a status field for example you can put an enum in there with various different accepted statuses and it's it's a lot of people ignore json schema because you have to write it in json and it's kind of hard to, to write that stuff um, But there's a bunch of like software out there that that handles editing them for you but um generally the whole idea is just defining a contract you just want to say uh here is some data and here is the shape that it should be and this idea is nothing new this idea has been around forever it was actually one of the fundamental concepts in soap and it was the thing that made people really hate soap (laughs) we kind of go on this weird um roundabout uh where People want to be vague, and then they want to be specific, but then they get tired of being specific because this extra work. So they want to be vague, and then they get burned from being vague because they weren't specific enough. And it goes backwards and forwards. Um, so like XML RPC, for example, was just here's some XML, and in XML everything's a string. So if you send a five, or you send an empty string, or you want to send like nothing, it's it's all the same. It, uh, and and so sort of numeric strings and and uh, and actual integers, they're all strings. So XML RPC kind of sucked for sending different data types and no one really knew what the data was, so they made SOAP, which had WSDLs, and part of a WSDL was XML schema. XML schema would describe the data and and tell you what you had, and that was pretty cool. That was really helpful, and you can build a lot of SDKs, and you can generate client code, and you can do validation based on the XML schema. You can do loads and loads of stuff. Um, Then everyone got fed up with having to write those, so they went back to, hey, here's just some random JSON, and you get a few more data types of JSON, but it still doesn't tell you whether that distance five is a mile or a meter, um, so we're kind of moving back towards having JSON schema describe your data. Um, and you can do a million things with it. And what I really like, I think, is is the fact that it's optional. Um, your APIs can have JSON schema in there, and you just literally have like a little link in the header or in the body, and it says like, "Hey, here's the here's the schema file. You can download it if you want. You can validate it if you want. You can, you know, inspect the data if you want." Or you can just ignore it and keep on doing your file, get contents URL and just assume that that's fine and ignore everything else in the world. And if your shit explodes, then nah, when you come complaining about it, we'll point you towards the JSON schema and then everything will be okay. Um, so I kind of like this, this, this approach oh, yeah. of being specific if you want, but being vague if you're lazy,
1: My favorite part of it is uh, so like if you're consuming other people's API, you always had that thing where they didn't document it well or whatever, they break something. They don't want to admit that they broke it, and so it's really nice to have the schema and be able to say like, "Here, this fucking validates against the schema." <laughs> what did you break? Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's really helpful
0: in that way. That's the thing. The schema can be turned into documentation easily enough. There are some tools that do work directly with JSON schema. Um, you can also have OpenAPI uh, kind of import your JSON schema files. Uh, OpenAPI and JSON schema are really close to being the same thing. They're like slightly different that's a uh, apibusters.com podcast episode 4 <laughs> for that conversation but um yeah you can you can do a lot with json schema you can have human readable documentation you can have um, you can have server side validation so instead of writing loads and loads and loads of php code that says like the email field is required and it should be a valid email address you can you can just import the, um, the JSON schema file and then use uh, the PHP League has a package called JSON guard. So you just uh, pass your payload into the JSON schema validator and then it will just go bang. Yeah, this is this is a valid payload and it's way more, um, uh, you can do a lot of stuff with it. Obviously you can't be like, oh, this email has to be unique, right? That's something that PHP does need to do, but you can validate your incoming payload with the JSON schema file. Um, and the clients can also validate with the JSON schema file themselves. If you're making your uh, JSON schema uh files public people can download them and the ios application can validate using that file um and so you can you can skip going over the wire for basic validation errors and you can avoid hard coding your validation in the client and having that vi- uh validation get out of date right because if you say um i don't know like your passwords locally in the ios app if If password you know max length 40 and then you change max length and you have two different apps with two different validation rules and that gets really annoying or uh, I don't know some new some new required field pops up or you you suddenly make a field not required whatever these validation changes are they can really mess you up if you have uh, if the client and the server have different expectations but if the client is using expectations defined by the server that that server is also using, then you're all agreeing to the same stuff and your documentation and your client validation and your server validation are all exactly the same thing. Um, that's like a really powerful feature. And it it makes a lot of your code base be like language agnostic. You could, <laughs> you know, if most of your application is just fulfilling the contracts, it's it's passing incoming data and making sure it's valid and shoving it in the database. And then different endpoints are like pulling it out and, and just shoving that JSON on the page you can switch framework or language or just rebuild it however the hell you want. And it's really easy to do, you
2: know? Yeah, we actually did exactly that at a company that I worked at. They, uh, they wanted to switch from rails to Scala for some reason. Um, and that that actually went okay. Uh, nothing like, as far as the end users knew nothing really changed for them. Uh, actually it got a little bit faster, but that's, a longer story than we have we're time around. for. <laughs> no, no, no. Like it, it was a, uh, it was a, a series of of turd polishings um, that were not, <laughs> not Rails specific. Uh, it's not Rails's fault. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, uh, definitely don't want anyone thinking the takeaway of why I like Jason Schema is that you can switch your language on a daily basis. Because I always laughed about uh, like repositories <laughs> for that. The argument for repositories in, in certain frameworks was like, yeah, you can switch from MySQL to Mongo every week. And I'm like, why would you ever?
2: Who does that? <laughs> right. Who fucking does that?
0: <laughs> but I, I do like the idea of like doing less in the actual framework or in the actual language, right? Because even though you aren't changing your framework or changing your language on a regular basis, they keep releasing new versions of stuff, right? And half this stuff that you need an API to do is some some package or some gem um, that's like an extension to your favorite framework. And the framework changes weekly if you're using certain ones um and 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 packages get abandoned and so the less you can make your framework do the better and there's a lot of open source tools so like api gateways for example they are amazing they can do you know um, they can handle your authentication and they can handle your rate limiting and they can handle all this stuff that you don't really want to be doing at a like laravel app level Uh, they can just do it on the outside and you get a consistent effect um regardless of what framework you're using for that one specific thing so um if you move a lot of logic into the api gateway and then a lot of your code is just kind of satisfying contract agreements you've written in json which is super portable then you're not really doing that much in the framework anymore and you're coding less and having fewer bugs and going to the pub more which is the main thing that's kind (laughs) of the goal? or riding your bike or walking your dog (laughs) doing whatever you want
1: Uh, all right, so what do you want to cover next?
2: Can we just throw oh. GraphQL out there and see what he says? Fight. <laughs> it's, <laughs>
0: it's really funny. Um, so I started writing about GraphQL about about uh, just over a year ago, and at the time I was like, it makes sense for a different use case, like different tools for different jobs. That's cool. Um, and over time, I'm increasingly wonder why the fuck you'd use it for anything. Uh, it's it's weird. It it basically, it, for me, it's weird because it, it took a bunch of really good ideas that you could already do in your REST APIs, right? It, it took a bunch of best practices that most people were doing for years or advocating for years and took took tools that already exist. And it definitely put it into a nice... Single package with a nice marketing website, right? Like if you go and look at the rest dissertation and you look at that white page with the Times New Roman Versus the GraphQL, you know marketing site Obviously for a brand new person that doesn't know how to do APIs, going to that one website and installing that one package and, and reading that one Tutorial is going to make a lot more sense um, so I think I think for me it's it's always been a different it's been difficult to accept that use case because it's like someone just gave me a CMS and said, this this is how you should build everything now. I'm like, no, that, that CMS has removed all of the choices that I know the answers to, behind using A or B. And sometimes I want A and sometimes I want B. Why would you tell me that I always have to use A? Fuck off. Um, so I think there's a lot of people out there that, that benefit from GraphQL because they, they don't know the 15 different things that, that GraphQL has, has chosen for them um but if if they did if they understood more they might not agree with the choices that it made so it's kind of weird to ha- to have my hand forced in that way but the main problem is that it only replaces rest-ish apis and over the last year I've, I've really kind of got a bigger and better understanding of of what that ish is really missing and uh you miss hypermedia completely you have no way of creating like Um, An intelligent application that can browse uh, itself and be trained to respond to different links and and handle things accordingly Which everyone always thinks is magic and you can answer it, but it just takes a long time Um, And it fucks caching completely like I gave a talk about this yesterday at PHP Southwest and the um, If you look at the caching section of the GraphQL website, it literally says because GraphQL supports IDs You can build rich client caches what the fuck the example has like oh yeah this star wars actor has an id of 3003 go build a cache off that like where how from what what metadata do i get how do i build a cache out of just knowing the thing it's like if you know someone's name you're supposed to know what their favorite color is and how old they are and when the last time they brushed their teeth was like it doesn't you can't just guess this random stuff so caching graphql just doesn't exist and, and, and they just it forces the client to to build all of the caching and they have to They have to guess how long they think they should cache the data for and the 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 guesses might be different in different applications so you might have a a a mobile app and a web app showing completely different information because the the client the mobile client guessed at eight hours and the the website guessed at six hours and something changed now you've got different answers And and just the whole thing is it forces the clients to do way more stuff than they should be just because they've completely ignored the concept of hypermedia controls and caching and and that that just seems like something that should, shouldn't ever happen. I don't, why. I don't know why you'd ever use GraphQL for that, apart from laziness and ignorance, so, I don't know.
1: I mean, I could defend Graph. I, I don't really use Graph much, right, because REST does solve most all the problems I've run into. Um, so maybe I shouldn't defend it. But if I were going to defend it, it would be that if you wanted some type of, like, query language over HTTP, it's a decent solution for that. But if you want, I don't
0: fifth sure, really think it's the fifth one.
1: REST at all, right?
0: Right. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I just had to jump in and interrupt you there because you've been talking quite a lot so far tonight, Ben.
1: Uh, (laughs) Just like all times.
0: (laughs) Sorry, bud. Um, That's the funny thing, right? So that is a valid thing to say um, that, you know, if you want a query language over HTTP, then great. GraphQL is released and now we have one, but we've had them for years and no one ever used them. Um, there's FICO and Sparkle and OData, and OData is a GraphQL yeah, language on like top the, of REST. People ignore the them.
1: Argument that back then we didn't have the same rich data that we do now, or at least not as easily accessible. And so the idea of having, no matter if it's the first one or the fifth one, I mean, REST isn't the, the first protocol around how you do HTTP messages, right? So <laughs> to have a universal way, we all agree, we'll talk about queries over HTTP is a good thing to have in in our tool bell.
0: Sure. But I'm I'm, I'm saying that REST rest
1: doesn't do it in like a good way. So yeah. Sorry, go ahead.
0: No, no, you go on.
2: (laughs) I was just going to say, I mean, sure. I mean, things like that have always existed, but I feel like there was a point in time where people didn't really need them either um i think data sets have grown and that's made graphql more appealing to people and it's also just got the hype train behind it which helps a lot
0: <laughs> yeah i think the hype train is a lot of what it's about i mean odata can absolutely 100 solve the same queries and more on graphql um GraphQL is actually quite a limited query language in a lot of ways uh, i've tried like in my research and in my uh, experiments with it like it doesn't really solve the problems i want um when it comes to including data if you try to uh Scope. If you try to filter the includes that you're making, you can't. So you have to get all of those things. If you if you're requesting an A and you want some Bs, you have to get all of the Bs that are related to it. You can't say, you know, where B, uh, whatever, where for equals bar on these Bs. You can't you can't strip them out. So so things like that are really fundamentally just weak. Um,
1: I mean, wouldn't that be kind of like saying that like why should we use Rails when we could use you know whatever more micro framework? is out there, right? Like this what gives us more flexibility. It doesn't configure things for us, doesn't force our hand in anything. Yeah, but part of the advantage is that it simplifies it because it forces everyone to do it a certain way.
0: Oh uh, what, what I'm what I'm saying I suppose is that if people's argument for why GraphQL should be used as a query language because you know it's more advanced now and the you know data is more rich and more whatever uh, and and I'm saying that the the newest one isn't the best one it's actually quite weak compared to previous ones that have existed for a very long time right this idea that the things we're solving now are so much more intelligent and <laughs> is is probably also quite false um I think FICL, uh and Sparkle both were able to handle some really complex queries and to be fair the syntax was gross um but they were handling like really complex wiki uh, situations and and and, you know a lot of a lot of related data and you could do a lot very interesting things with those that you just literally can not do with graphql so um graphql is basically the uh the wrapped up packaged embodiment of json api and the same approach to that stuff which is i want to get a and then i want to make sure i get all of the b's and c's or b.c, right, embedded. I want to get all those things in a single round trip. And that is what it's focusing on. It's kind of doing it with a little bit of query language syntax. But really, it's more about, like, get me the resource and then include the things because I'm scared of uh, HTTP handshakes and I'm scared of hitting the network 10 times or whatever. I want to hit that thing once. And so you have this, like, weak kind of meh query syntax helping you do that thing. Um, so, if you want a query language, it's actually quite a bad query language. Um, if you want uh, flexibility in what you include and what you embed, that's that's not really a very good idea anymore. Anyway, like with with HTTP two coming along um, and being supported by more and more systems, like. We were saying earlier, not really. It's not really supported by PHP and Rails is getting there, but you know, Go has loads of support. Uh, with that coming along, it's becoming less important to try and grab as much data as you can and make that server just strain and just just generate all that JSON and shove it over the pipe. What you really want to be doing is having these small targeted endpoints that are highly cacheable behind so network proxy. So that
1: because again, PHP world, we don't have much of that yet. Explain a little bit
0: <laughs> about what differs with two versus one. Uh, probably a good way of putting it is, um, think about every single CSS and JavaScript hack you've ever done to try and make the page performance good. You know, like if you go to uh, any of these websites, <laughs> um, yeah. If you go to like any of these kingdom, any of these websites that give you a, a performance score, out of a hundred, right. It'll say things like, um, you have too many CSS and JavaScript files. You need to combine them into into a single file, or um, you should have different URLs for. Uh, you should you know use different host names for different things because the browser is limited to a certain number of of requests it can make per domain name. So you should split them out into multiple things. And and if you could, if this might not be the right podcast for like front end performance advice, but if you if you go through that list of stuff. That you were meant to do to make your website performant in HTTP 1.1, it actually fucks you in HTTP 2. Um, the the idea of having multiple domains is kind of daft because you're now doing multiple handshakes, whereas really with HTTP 2, you just use the one connection and it would push down as many assets as you would need over the same connection. So the the multiple requests is actually slower than doing than doing the one. Um, and the idea of like combining those CSS files and JavaScript files into mega files uh, is is actually much much worse when using h2 because it doesn't want to sit there like generating this mega file and having to push it all down the pipe like having smaller files coming asynchronously and multiplex down the pipe as and when they're ready is much more performant and and the api approach is the same way um we've been bending over backwards to come up with a way where a user can say or the api consumer can say like i want to get this i you know i want to get this resource in the url but I don't want to have to come back every single time I want to know this article's author or whatever, right? I don't want to come back for extra data afterwards because every single request I make, there's a round trip. I have to do DNS. I have to come to blah, 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 blah. Um, And so people have been really scared of making multiple network trips. And so we just jam it. We jam it all into the same thing. Um, And so we have these weird things where we have different representations of the same data where we'll have like get users... And include trips and profile and all this other uh, all these other kind of related things and then somebody else is gonna say okay give me get all the trips but then get all the users and all the profiles and there'll be two really similar bits of data that are completely different and the server's straining to generate these these chunks of uh, JSON and they're completely missing the cache because they're totally different requests and we're just doing all this stuff and with HTTP 2 you wouldn't do that you would just make multiple requests Um and the main reason for that is that you can use the same same connection. There's something called server push. So if you request if you request, you know, resource A, it can then say, Oh, you're gonna want these resource Bs too. And it can start throwing those resource Bs down the pipe. And then you can, you know, asynchronously say, All right, I've got these Bs. I want to go fetch some C's too. And you can asynchronously do all of those and stitch them together afterwards. And you've made a whole bunch of requests really quickly. Um and you've not and you've taken care of the related data. Idea at the transportation layer instead of forcing the application layer to worry about it, you know Yeah,
1: that makes sense. Um, It definitely makes caching a whole lot easier That's one of the hardest problems really that I get with well, I mean as computers in general, especially APIs, is (laughs) how do you how do you cache appropriately while still leaving it flexible enough for people to you know Do what they want with it.
0: I mean, yeah, that's that's a tough thing with if you have the resource a is cached and then you're including B and C and D if you're only caching Um, within the application, you have to make sure that any changes to any of those included resources are bubbling up something that will invalidate the A cache, right? So whenever you change anything, you have to invalidate all of its related resources just on the off chance that someone's calling up that resource first and asking to include these other things. Um, Whereas if you're using something like conditional caching over HTTP, where you use e-tags and you're only requesting resource A and resource A has its e-tag there, Then when you say, hey, I want resource A, is this e-tag good or bad? And it will be like, yeah, you're fine. Or now you want to re-request that. But then you're making other completely separate HTTP requests to BCD, whatever else. Then it will use the cache or not appropriately. So again, you've taken the worry about caching out of the application and put it entirely at the network layer and the transportation layer, which is where it should be. I should drink more wine. I'm actually making sense, I think. This is...
1: Well, it's probably like the right (laughs) level, right? Not too little... (laughs) You've reached your
2: Balmer Peak, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, I'm having to be quiet because I'm in someone else's house. Uh, last time, I think we tried doing a podcast, I was in, in Puckle Church again and uh, trying to avoid waking the parents up. And now I want to make sure I don't wake up Alex Bilby and his partner.
1: <laughs> How is Alex? He was a, uh, a good there guy back in the day.
0: Yeah, doing very well. He's become an AWS uh, consultant. If anyone needs any help with AWS stuff, he is certified. A certified nice. prick. <laughs>
1: I didn't
0: know they even did certifications. So. Oh, yeah. Multiple levels. Might have It'd to give it a try. It
1: for it all the time.
2: Yeah.
0: How much is it? $5,000, I'm sure.
2: Uh, I don't know, because all the, the things that I get are like, come to AWS reInvent, we'll give you a coupon code for that's like <laughs> 73% off or some like, random number. <laughs> but, yeah, to to get to reInvent is like several thousand dollars.
0: So, and it's usually in Vegas or some shit. Ahead.
2: I just can't yeah, yeah, no, I've been of... like it's it's a great event. Um this is totally okay. tangential, but uh yeah, very, very expensive to get into, but it's absolutely enormous.
0: Just can't stand the idea of hanging out with four thousand programmers in Las Vegas.
1: Oh yeah, I did Jeez. that with ZenCon that one year and I just tried to get away from them as much as possible.
2: I can tolerate maybe seventy two hours of Vegas and Vegas people and then I need to I need to leave. <laughs> I I can't deal. Can't deal anyway um we have some other stuff to talk about
1: right? uh we were going to talk a little bit about php
0: yeah t- guys tell me what's uh, going on with phP sorry. I've not been paying attention I care I just haven't been looking and I don't know what's new anything fun in seven seven three anything any big dramas happened that I missed out on what's going on
1: <laughs> so the, nothing crazy in the language since you dropped off I nothing that stands out I mean we had a couple new syntactic triggers, like uh, the splat operators probably new since you used it, or some of the new 7.2 stuff. Nothing crazy about. Um, Ooh,
0: I'm interested. Splat me. What's going on? What is that?
1: Oh, uh, see, so you, you know how you used to do uh what is it, filter? No, I don't remember the function. There's a function, so like if you pass in an array to a method, it'll split out the arguments. Uh, so now there's just like a, you know, dot, dot, and then the variable and it splits it for you. Just
0: ah okay nice and easy. very nice so it takes uh, an array of things and just turns it into uh, once you pass it in to an argument it will just translate that into a series of arguments as opposed to a singular array is that yeah cool yeah i think ecmascript uh, calls that argument unpacking or something but yeah there's a million different names for the same bloody stuff
1: yeah that's very exciting
0: <laughs> <laughs> really excited for
1: the drama has been kind of uh, kind of boring lately. Like the, the shade, I did see
0: the Lara Elite
1: structured some things, got rid of a lot of their drama. Uh oh, It's uh, been kind of quiet. I think uh, I don't know. Taylor Outwell found Jesus or something. He's been kind of quiet on that front. So. Uh
2: yeah, I did see the the Lara Elite thing. I think that's probably been the most dramatic thing. I don't know who did it. Uh, I don't either. But no. the community. Two people.
0: Two people reached out to ask me if, if it was me. I was like, no. Really. I don't know what I <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah, no, it seems like some people received it very well and kind of thought it was a joke and other people took it very, very personally. Um,
1: So I thought it was, I thought it was funny. I didn't call it any more person. So I didn't, I didn't necessarily find it in poor taste. And anyway,
0: yeah, I think, I think whenever you are making fun of somebody, right that can go in a bunch of different ways and and you just have to like think about the intent of who did it and unfortunately there's a lot of people who are insecure enough to think that any any intent is going to be bad um there's a lot of people that that come at it with i'm sure they were just kidding and they they take it much better um yeah it it seemed to me like it came across as like a pretty funny thing and them being a bit silly they clearly put a bit of work into it there's there's more than a few words on that website so they had a real go at it but yeah, I, can, I, can, I would absolutely understand if somebody got really upset, but I really hope they didn't. Like, <laughs> it was clearly a joke.
2: Uh, there was one thing on there that was kind of disparaging and, like, obviously meant in, like, a good-humored way, um, but I don't know that it was received that way, and I don't know that it was worded well enough that that was super obvious to people, uh, but I think that may have changed. Of course, I don't want to call them out now.
0: <laughs> That's fair enough. Yeah. But as, yeah. Oh, as, as but a, no, a, the...
2: Uh...
0: Oh, sorry, I keep jumping in. I think there's a bit of lag. Uh, but no, as a Brit who uses dry humour a lot, and then kind of um, notices Americans just be like, they, uh, they take things very literally. Often when you're saying something, and the number of times I've been like, "Well, code's broken," I'm just going to have to delete the whole repo, and they're like, "No, don't! That would be a real waste of work." I'm like, "No, I wasn't kidding. I was fucking joking." Oh, um, so like that happens a lot. Uh, <laughs> and uh, after five years, I, I would have hoped that either people would would people that I work with and hang out with would, would get it, or I guess I just have to change my personality to suit the lowest common denominator but um, yeah dry humor can be a tricky one so often it seems like someone's being a sarcastic prick but really they're saying something with with love and a big smile behind their behind their face you just can't see the smile because not everything's meant to be you know hey laugh track bullshit that's, that's what Americans want if it hasn't got a laugh track it's not a joke and therefore you're being mean and you should stop because I'm offended <laughs> you can oh, tell i'm back in the a, uk more, that was a beautiful <laughs>
2: rant <laughs> yeah, that was a great rant <laughs> I, always, I always
0: rant about america when i'm not in it more and then i'm just like oh, i'm here i better play ball <laughs> it's
2: fair uh no <laughs>
0: uh well on a random rant I left everyone in the everyone in a in a gap um, it's all good man
2: it's all good uh no as far as drama goes uh some people got kicked off the mailing list for being aggressive the
1: internals mailing list. i noticed list.
0: that i noticed yeah, that that's
1: really a, Oh uh, yeah, I saw that little interlace thing. Right, so somebody's just like kind of spamming the board to get their point across.
0: It was Tony Marston, the uh, same person, uh, blamed about PHP 4 style constructors being removed from PHP 7 because some apps might want those. Because every programming language should strive to make the newest version of the software work with 20 year old code without any change whatsoever. That was that was that guy. And yeah, goodbye. <laughs>
2: Yeah, um, I I remember a discussion not too long ago about, like, Composer versus not using Composer, and that got pretty heated, so I'm not surprised. Um, I'm sure there's a discussion to be had about whether or not people li- – I, I actually don't want to bring this up anymore, because <laughs> it just Bell. takes me back to the fig stuff. We're like, are you censoring people? Like, uh, yeah, let's just not even <laughs>
1: – let's just not even – uh, sure. So you're one. not a secretary anymore, right, Amanda? I'm but not. They, I haven't been since April. But they are what electing, or what do they call it when they choose new?
2: Yeah. So they're holding elections for secretaries and new core committee members. Nice. Who's,
1: so, uh, who's in the running? Uh, last I checked,
2: oh, let's see, I have it open in my email.
1: We should just call out to uh, Amanda's amazing wine glass there. That's like the size of. Yeah, my.
2: It's called a Bubba. Like, you can't even make this up. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, it is. It, it's basically a tankard. Oh, I was looking at secretaries. Actually, my email is not loading. So, if you'd like to see who's in the running for secretary, there is a wonderful mailing list that you're welcome to join, and you will be able to see who's in the running for that as well as uh, core committee members. I can't search my email right now. Thanks. Yeah, no, I've been having problems with Gmail all day. Um, But yeah, so the the secretary stuff, I believe there's one position open, because they just elected two, and then core committee members every position, I believe.
1: Okay, every position? Like, do they re-elect every time?
2: No, I think there's a handful of people that are going to stick around, but I think it's mm, a majority of people. I'd have to double check. I I, I know Colin's going to hear this, and he's going to say something to me about it, because I should know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. Yeah, so apart from the kind of reshuffling of, of, of all the different positions and whatnot, what else is uh, what else is the fig up to, right? They're working on a new middleware related thing. I kind of I kind of got lost with all the middleware stuff. Like I remember PSR7 coming along, which was the message, the HTTP message, right? And then there were a few other PSRs that were meant to be like how you pass those messages around. Um, but I kind of phased out way through that. Where are we at with all that stuff?
2: So, admittedly, I have not been following. So, PSR fifteen is uh, the latest middleware ish thing, and uh, I have not been following that. <laughs> I'll be perfectly mm. honest. Uh, but it is currently in review. So, if you are interested in any of the the middleware stuff, uh, now is the time to get your comments in on that.
0: Okay, I will check it out because uh, HTTP middlewares are fantastic. Um, been using them at work for a whole bunch of reasons. Um, been using both server side middlewares and like client middlewares so you know you wrap the wrap the the calls that you're making uh in middleware um before and after and you uh, wrap the, the server responses in middlewares and you can just add cool stuff uh to that and some of the some of the client middlewares we've been adding like sliding a http cache middleware into your requests is amazing um if anyone's ever looked at http caching it's really complicated uh to like to calculate the age of an item um there's like four different algorithms you can use. And it's like, if you want to work out, so you just call resource A and it will say, you know, uh, you can have this, you can make this thing, you can keep this thing for 10 minutes. But how do you know how long it's already been? So you have to look at the response time, the, the time the response was made minus the, uh, how long it took to make the response <laughs> plus the current age, if the age header is there, or some other shit and then you have to go through like this totally crazy uh process to work out how many seconds you theoretically have left and all that sort of thing um, and then like if there's an e-tag you should save that and you should put that into redis along with the response and then and then reuse that thing next time and it's, it's really complicated but if you just get yourself a um uh, for ruby there's one called faraday http uh faraday http Cache, and for guzzle it's called guzzle cache i can't remember what it's called but you just slide that middleware onto the stack and it just does it so like you try making a request and then the second time you try making that request it just doesn't make it it just grabs it out of redis or if you configured that middleware to store it stuff and you just made your application be in m- like multitudes faster you know because if that request used to take 200 milliseconds and now it's hitting memcache and taking three milliseconds and everyone's happy and the ice caps don't melt you know it's 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 really cool. That that stuff is possible, um, but it's going to be more important for the fig to make it be possible for more people, right? Because if you have to build these middlewares specifically for Guzzle or specifically for whatever other clients there are, there's like four of them, then you don't get to share that much code. But if they can, if they can all conform to the same thing, then you're just like, here's a HTTP PSR 15 middleware thing, and just kind of shove that, shove that in there, then everyone can use it instead of there being four different ones or three that are a bit shit or whatever it is.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's definitely much better. Um, Then it was kind of painful. I used to do a whole lot of swim work back in swim 2. And then we moved a lot of stuff to RVO, and then moved a lot of stuff to swim 3. And that whole process of going back and forth is really painful, because just a lot of our codes and middleware, because it's just so much better than trying to have, like, domain logic somewhere, and you can just act, you know, on the request and response. but trying to port back and forth to different middleware implementations is just really annoying, right? Like, yeah. It's just a middleware. Like you take it and then you do something with it and you return it back. Like that's it. It doesn't need to be complicated. So to have that just standardized is gonna be really nice.
0: Yeah, it's just all about like reducing how much stuff we're doing over and over and over again. Like I said at the start, you know, a lot of the stuff that we put in our apps can be handled by API gateways and a lot of the stuff that we're doing with interacting with the outside world can be handled with JSON schema and then internally a lot of the stuff that we're doing can be handled with you know middlewares that correspond to standards that already exist and by the time it comes down to you know the gateways and JSON schema and the the middlewares that you've slid into place all you're doing is writing domain logic you're just writing your business domain logic you're you're writing the code that handles the invoice and works out how much tax to add for this specific thing and, and doing the stuff that is relevant to your application and not dicking around with working out the most efe- effective way to make a rate limiter and the, the best way to pass e-tags around and whether you should use strong or weak or who, 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 what's even the distant difference. I don't know. So like, <laughs> like don't, yeah, just don't do all this crap and let smart people make awesome standards that you can just reference and use tools that implement them for you. So you don't have to learn how, Everything works just to make an app. <laughs> yeah. Uh, What's going on with conferences? Yeah. Let's it's gonna... going? Where? Where are we hanging out? What's going on?
1: So it's been really quiet on my front for the past couple of months. Just this kind of dead season right now. But uh, they're starting back up here in a couple of months. Right. Uh, we got a couple of new ones coming to PHP land. Lone Star uh, retired. And so there's a new one in Austin.
0: Boo Daniel. Yeah.
1: We're all going to miss that. Uh, at least I don't have to see Daniels
0: much now, though. So that's kind of... <laughs> of that is true. Um, yeah, it's usually a kind of a dead period around about now because there's no point in them booking any flights because nobody from the Northeast will be able to take off because all the airports are grounded. Um, but yeah, usually sunshine is soon, and we all go flocking to that because it's an excuse to sit in a hot tub in Miami and uh, not be cold. Done. Actually, I'm not going to go the hot tub because that went poorly the other year.
1: <laughs> yes. Anyway, it's uh, amazing yes. that you get a bunch of nerds <laughs> with a bunch of booze in a hot tub and it doesn't go well.
0: Like, no, uh, we're not we're not accepting that as a as a scapegoat. <laughs> well they were awkward and they had booze, so they were fucking ridiculous. That's just gonna happen, right? No, that's not.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised they was drowned yet, actually.
0: Yeah. Wow, that's one so one of our friends that's lost a tooth. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs>
2: Okay. I'm sure there's All a wonderful right. story there. Next mm-hmm. next subject. Yeah, so we have a PHP Benelux, which is coming up at the end of January, at the end of the month. And then uh, we have, I think, Sunshine PHP is next. And that's like the second, first, second-ish week in February. And then got, what, PHP UK after that? And then I have not figured out my schedule beyond that, really. I know there's, like, Laracon, several Laracons that I will be at and... <laughs> That's how many are
1: there now? It's like three, There's right? one
0: in London. Soon. So no,
2: so we, we have, um, us EU. We've got the online one, uh, Australia. Australia. A new yeah. One. yeah. So that'll be cool. Um, oh. I'm, I'm trying to convince my employer. Hint, hint. If any of you are listening, um, to send me to that. one. <laughs> no, I'm not going nice. to get to go because of that. Boo. Be um, yeah. So that's, that's coming along. I don't know what other people, what people are going to be at this year i haven't figured my life out so
1: yeah it's not really we got you know that's probably all right
2: you say that so like every year i go through this oh I'm, I'm gonna do less travel i'm gonna do less conferences and i feel like i'm doing more <laughs> of them now but i don't have to speak at all of them which is nice
1: it's three- like, very bad loop where i'm like oh i'm burnt out on travel i don't want to travel i'm not gonna travel this year and then like a month then i'm like I'm pissed. I'm like, why am I sitting here? <laughs> all my friends are doing all this cool conference shit. Why am I
2: not there? No, I just get restless. It's not even like when I see people doing stuff, I'm just like, damn it. I don't want to sit in here anymore. <laughs> I work from home. Struggle's real.
0: Yeah, the Instagram envy is definitely a thing. Um, oh, I've yeah. noticed that it's really easy to, to accidentally turn it around as well, right? There's been a bunch of times where I'm like, I'm not doing any more conferences. and then And then I get like... I see three kind of pop up that are in interesting places. I'm like, fuck it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna apply to these, and I'm sure like one of them will accept me, and then it'd be fine. And then you accidentally get all three of them. And you're like, ah, fuck. <laughs> now it's back to back. Yeah. So you go from having like six months being wide open to like one uh, every other month or something, which is a bit much. Um, I've, I, I've continued to not do conferences this year. I think 2017, I did one in Boston and one in Colombia, but that was purely because it was my friends. The, for my last company, working uh, doing the conference in Colombia, and I wanted to, I wanted the excuse to take my bike down there and ride about. So I did, only did two this year, and that was actually really nice. Um, I was just completely focused on bike racing and, and, and recovering from crashes and crashing more and racing more and crashing in the races, and it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> nice to, uh, it's nice to take a year off and just focus on something else. But I do yeah, miss the travel. Focus on bit.
2: breaking himself
0: Yeah. <laughs> absolutely i'm getting i'm getting pretty good at uh, like uh you'd want to avoid crashing theoretically but i'm just getting better at tucking and rolling when i do so
2: <laughs> yeah that's like that on horseback riding too like if you you still fall you just fall smarter <laughs> <laughs> that
0: happened happened the other day i just like i was going down i just went uh, like on the way to the floor i was like oh for fuck's sake and i like i lifted my head up because i didn't have my helmet with me lifted my head up so it was nice and out of the way and then just like let my thigh and my leg take the three meter gravel slide um and then some some dude came up afterwards and you're right there right yeah totally fine carry on mate on your way (laughs) so yeah you get used to those things but uh i need to start a bike podcast because it's all i ever talk about (laughs)
1: Yeah, please.
0: <laughs> I Do apologize. Have,
1: like one viewer.
0: Uh, yeah, that's fine. I think I have like one viewer on my bike blog. Actually, I filled up bike where I write about bike races and shit. And I know that no one reads it. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> it, I write it for me. It's basically my live journal. It's my bike-related live journal, and I love it.
1: Do you have uh, you know, like little things that fly around the screen, with like little JavaScript widgets you throw in there?
0: I have a custom mouse. Yeah, it's actually uh, it's a it's a bike pump. Trails a bike pump. yeah
1: <laughs> all right uh so let's wrap this up uh speaking of conferences we have a sponsor uh southeast php uh southeast php community conference which is uh, a new conference coming to nashville this year which i'm pretty excited about it's gonna be really cool to have just a conference in that area you think because it's starting to feel like I don't know, a lot of the conferences are like you'll hit two or three that are in the same general vicinity right and it's like man i like, just came to a conference here uh so it's it's always cool to go somewhere new and different the Nashville's so popping fun.
2: Yeah. yeah i
0: haven't
1: been there in years either it's so not cool
2: yeah oh it's amazing
0: I don't know it feels like a bit of a humble brag like man i'm so tired of going to conferences in the same place <laughs> i wish it they'd is the first real problem i wish they'd vary their locations for me <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Why can't they like think of me when they do these? Right? <laughs> All right, so uh, South East PHP is going to be uh, August sixteenth and seventeenth in downtown Nashville. The uh, call for papers opens February fifteenth, and they're trying to focus on modern PHP toolbox. It's is kind of like the theme of the talks they want. Uh, yeah, so cool speakers. Uh, it's going to be in Nashville, so there's always maybe great music, cool stuff to do. Uh, Matt Trask will take you for hot chicken. Personally.
0: I was going to say, you got to have hot chicken. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, and so check it out, southeastphp.com. It's uh, southeastphp on Twitter. And if you're interested in sponsoring, uh, hit up organizers at southeastphp.com. Uh, and really, thank you guys for sponsoring us. Uh, Matt Trask hooked us up with that, and we appreciate it we will point uh as many people as we
0: can to it i'm still personally offended you only started getting sponsorship after i left the podcast i feel like uh, yeah I wonder, I wonder why i wonder I why know. that is it must be a coincidence
1: totally
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> thank you uh, yeah we anything me. else do
1: you want to plug your your book though do you have a link for that
0: Oh yeah, probably should. Um, same website as before, API uh, APIs. You won't hate. com. Um, it's not just the one website for the one book. It's a, it's a community. There's a blog. There's there's a Slack channel. There's loads of shit. Uh, APIs. You hate. com for all of your API learning needs. We don't just shit on. Yeah, the, and the love. Slack
1: channel. I was remember, and it was actually like more boring than this podcast has been somehow. <laughs>
0: It depends. We've got a few interesting people recently. There's there's two thousand folks on there now. So anything anything you need an answer to, you will get an answer to. But yeah, there's not exactly many car chases or explosions. It's a fucking slack channel about APIs. What are you expecting?
1: <laughs> Amanda, do you have anything else? I don't. I think. All right. Cool. All right. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. We'll uh, catch you all in a, a couple of weeks or a couple of months, depending on how lazy we lazy we are.
0: Later. Right. See ya.